This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 Zone. Summer League rolls on. We're out in front of the team store here at Vivint Arena. Uh, the Jazz played the Jazz tonight, uh, Gordon. <laughs> okay. The blue team plays the white team. So come uh, watch the whole squad go head-to-head. Uh, let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It's no mystery. Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. He covers the jazz for the Salt Lake Tribune. He's Eric Walden with us here on the Big Show. What's up, Eric? Very little. What's going on with you gentlemen today? Oh, man, just getting ready to take in some basketball tonight. Uh, you, you, Summer League, of course, wraps up tonight. Well, let's start there, Eric. Uh, give us your impressions from Summer League. What are you taking away from the couple games we've seen so far? Uh, well, I guess I would say I will be surprised if too many guys from the Jazz Blue team make it to the Vegas <laughs> Summer League team. Um, as for the white team, I think we've seen you know some interesting things. I think we've seen that, uh, man, Trent Forrest looks really good against NBA Summer League competition, right? Um, I guess it, it remains to be seen how he'll look against uh, NBA competition going forward. I expect he'll probably be on a two-way contract for the Jazz again this coming season. Uh, we've also seen some good things out of Yudoka Azubuki. So, um, you know, I know that that was not necessarily a popular pick, and there were a lot of reasons why, you know, people had, you know, legitimate reasons to, to kind of question uh, his selection at number 27 overall a year ago. But, um, you know, we've, we've seen a few things out of, out of Udoka, and I guess I would say, you know, while, while we shouldn't necessarily expect too much from him this coming season, just given that, you know, Rudy Gobert is back and, and we can assume that uh, the Hassan Whiteside deal will be going through today and, and he'll be the primary backup. I think maybe it's a little too early to write off Doak as, as, you know, a wasted pick going forward, even if you feel like, you know, that that pick would have been better spent on um, a wing who could have helped more immediately than Doak can. So I guess let me ask sort of the same question, uh, Eric. Do you think that there's anybody in that group who could really become not just helpful, but something more than that? Uh, that's a good question. You know, it's been interesting watching, um, this this group of guys, right, with the Jazz White team featuring five guys who have experience of of playing on the actual NBA team, you know, between, uh, Doak and Trent Forrest and Elijah Hughes and, and Jarrell Brantley and Jawan Morgan. Um, we've seen some moments out of them. We've, you know, game one. Uh, or, or night one, rather, Jarrell really kind of struggled. Seemed like he was really kind of a bit too sped up, you know, a little too eager to, to show himself and, and was just kind of off kilter. Um, and then in game two, we saw him slow down a little bit and we saw some good moments from him. You know, uh, um, it'll be interesting to see if they bring Jarrell back on a two-way contract for a third straight season or if, or if another team 
is willing to give him more of a shot. Um, I like Terrell Brantley personally. I, I like him as a person. I have my doubts as to how much his game translates to the NBA, you know, which is which is sad to say because this is a guy who for the last two years we've been saying, man, this guy has got some, some tools in his toolbox, and if he can figure out how to do a few other things, you know, he's, he's a potential player down the line. And just seeing him now, I, I'm really starting to wonder if uh, those skills are going to translate just because it feels like so much of his skill set is, is predicated on playing, you know, kind of a bigger style of basketball, and he, he's simply too small to go against NBA-level competition and, and to be successful at those things. Um, Jawan Morgan, uh, you know, again, a guy who was great against G League competition, a guy who got by with smarts and guile and, and, and you know, you know uh, being in the right place at the right time. And, again, we're seeing kind of physical limitations, uh, you know, kind of hinder what he's capable of against the NBA when ultimately guys who are, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, can jump higher are, are going to be able to negate a lot of what he does. So um, it'll be interesting to see what Elijah Hughes can do. I know he's got some supporters within the organization, uh, just given his, his smooth scoring ability. Um Really what he's trying to show during Summer League is that he's an improved defender. You know, he acknowledged that uh, being a former Syracuse guy where where Jim Bayheim and Syracuse are, are really kind of notorious for playing a zone scheme and there's always questions about how those guys can do in the NBA. He's acknowledged that and he, he said over and over and over again that his whole point of being in the Summer League is to show that he is a capable NBA-level defender. So... I think if we see that out of him, um, he's maybe the guy who I would put the most stock in going forward. And, um, you know, beyond that, I'm interested to see uh, what Jared Butler does in in Las Vegas over the next coming days. Eric Walden of the Trib with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Eric, uh, Gordon asked me this question earlier in the show, and since I don't mind stealing his material, I'll go ahead and ask you, uh, what is the – not even a laugh out of that, Gordon? Come no, I, mean, no, I was just Come thinking that, that I steal Eric's material all the time. What are you, <laughs> uh, uh, you journalists in your plagiarism, you got no integrity. <laughs> um, who, is, who will have the most impact on the roster out of the new uh, acquisitions? Who was, so taking Mike Conley out of it, obviously, in his re-signing, who uh, out of the new players will have the most impact on the roster? I think you got to say Rudy Gay just because he's got a, you know, they very much targeted him. They very much saw a specific role for him, one that he can fill right away. You know, down the road, I think we could argue maybe Jared Butler will be able to, you know, uh, be an effective backup point guard down the line. But, you know, for this coming season, I envision that he'll basically just be at a maximum taking over the minutes that, that Trent Forrest played a year ago, you know, kind of in a more emergency type situation when there's foul trouble or, or injuries or things of, things of that nature. But uh, Rudy Gay, you know, he's played 15 years in the league. Um, we made it a point uh, to talk to Jeff McDonald of the San Antonio Express News who's in town because the Spurs, uh, of course, have a team participating in the, uh, in the Salt Lake Summer League just to kind of get his uh, take on, on, on the Rudy Gay experience. And, you know, he mentioned Rudy's a solid mid-range guy. He's got a little bit of post-up game. 
He's a very much improved three-point shooter these last few years over what he had been previously. Um, kind of interestingly, he, he was not totally sold on Rudy's uh, defensive prowess, on, on him being necessarily an answer to the Jazz small ball lineup situation that they hoped he would be, but it'll be interesting to see what, what this particular coaching staff uh, gets out of him, you know, just because we can expect that at a minimum he'll be, he'll be taking over the minutes, the minutes that George Niang played a year ago. And beyond that, you know, I, I do expect that when the Jazz come up against these, these small ball five-out lineups that feature, you know, not a true center, but, you know, someone who's maybe – Six seven to six nine, who's a little quicker, more mobile. That we will see some some times where Rudy Gay is uh, taking on that role and and being able to help the Jazz be a little more mobile, be a little more switchable defensively. So Eric, there have been a lot of rumors out there, but uh, uh, give me a definitive answer. Will the Jazz make another move after after this busy week? Ooh. That's a good one. Um, it really comes down to if you believe that they think they need to move Joe Ingles or not. Um, someone had asked me uh, earlier in the week what I thought the chances of Joe Ingles going. And, and at the time, I put it at 50-50 just because there seemed to be a whole lot of smoke behind a potential deal. Um, I think at this point, I'm, I'm, I would put the odds of him moving a lot lower. I'd, I'd put it at, you know, 25% chance that, that Joe Ingles is not playing for the Jazz by the start of the season. But it feels like at this point, uh, you know, the free agent moves are done. They've got basically, you know, if, if they wind up keeping Mie Oni, if they wind up, you know, um, bringing back some of the familiar faces, they'll, they'll have one spot, one roster spot open. And I could expect, um, I wouldn't be shocked if they wanted to keep that open for a bit just to see, you know, if if someone becomes available down the line who they might want to add. But um, probably at this point, I, I think that the major moves are done. But, you know, I will say it won't shock me if they wind up finding some kind of deal for Joe Ingles. Let me follow that up with uh, a question. It's this. If Joe doesn't get moved, in your experience, Eric, do you think that affects a player's attitude about his the team he plays for when he knows he's been sort of bandied around that way? I think generally that is the case. I, I think in this case it would be a little bit different in that I don't think Joe wants to go anywhere until um, his NBA career is over, at which point you know he's told us that he fully intends to uh, take his family back to Australia full-time. But it seems like uh, Joe and Renee and the kids really enjoy being in Utah. And so, honestly, I would be, I would be worried about, you know, the, the opposite. That, um, you know, I, I think Joe understands at this point it's a business and, and the team is going to do whatever it thinks is the right move um, to try and, and, and get the team closer to championship contention and you know i'm not going to go so far as to say that that joe won't have an ego about that you know with anyone who's talked to joe know he knows he has an ego right and and you don't get to be as good of a professional basketball player as joe ingles is without an ego so 
you know, I'm not going to go so far as to say he wouldn't be hurt by trade rumors, but I think that, um, you know, if there are trade rumors, he understands it. And so long as he doesn't get traded, I think he's happy. So um, I think he would be able to compartmentalize that and, you know, do what they're going to ask him to. The, the question is going to be, you know, what does his role look like this year? Because it feels like maybe, you know, he, he put up career numbers last year, but it, again, felt like once we got to the playoffs, he'd been maybe a little overtaxed. And so I'm curious to see if maybe they find a way, and maybe it's Jared Butler, maybe it's, you know, one of the other guys stepping up, if they find a way to kind of lessen his minutes during the regular season so that he can have a little more of an impact once we get to the playoffs again. Eric, uh, when you look at the, the movement uh, so far in the NBA and in the offseason, I think you can make the argument that several or at least a couple Eastern Conference teams really made themselves better. I don't think you can say the same thing about the Western Conference. Uh, you know, I, I do think the Jazz have made themselves better uh, around the periphery, but, you know, depending on how you feel about the Lakers' uh, moves, I guess, have there, have there really been any teams in the Western Conference, the playoff teams, that is, that have made themselves better this offseason? Yeah, you, I, I think you make a good point there, Jake. Whereas, you know, a lot of the huge moves that we've seen in free agency have been Eastern Conference teams really kind of taking big swings on, on kind of trying to improve themselves. Whereas with the Western Conference teams, it's been a lot of kind of, you know, more subtle improving around the margin type of, of moves. So um, with, with obviously the exception being, as you said, the Lakers and Man, I, I honestly have no idea how that's going to go. You know, I, I look at that Lakers team and I'm like, okay, I don't know that Russell Westbrook is necessarily a great fit uh, stylistically with with LeBron. Um, the benefit I could see that move having is that Russ is an incredible regular season player and this enables the Lakers to, you know, again, lessen LeBron's load in the regular season. Uh, They'll do a lot of kind of staggering those two, I would expect. So there will be stretches where LeBron is running the show and stretches where Russell Westbrook is running the show. And and the idea there would be, you know, hopefully saving LeBron James' energy for the playoffs. But once you get to the playoffs and, you know, I, I honestly just don't know if that Lakers team has enough shooting. Uh, I know they've brought in a few guys who have decent percentages in Malik Monk and Wayne Ellington. Even, I guess, Carmelo Anthony shot, you know, up around 40% last year. But I just don't know if, if I trust those Lakers to, you know, be versatile enough. And who knows? Maybe they don't have to. You know, the Lakers have not had great three-point shooting. Uh, they didn't have it the year they won the title. They didn't have it again last year. Uh, when you could argue maybe they would have gone further had LeBron or AD stayed healthy. They just kind of stick with what they do and, and trust that they're good enough at it to beat you. So we'll see. But, yeah, you know, Phoenix kind of minor moves, bringing back some of the same guys. Uh, you know, Portland will look a little different. Dallas has brought in, you know, I think their big move was, was re-signing uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. and then adding Reggie Bullock. So there's another shooter. Again, yeah, just, just kind of more minor moves in the Western Conference. Nothing quite as uh, seismic as what we've seen in, say, Miami out east. 
So, Eric, uh, two, two things for you. The first one is, uh, and you've kind of addressed this a little bit, but are the Jazz better now than they were in January, personnel-wise? And the second question is, will Rudy Gobert and his French teammates beat Team USA tonight? That is that, that latter one is an excellent question. I mean, that, that France team is the only uh, remaining undefeated basketball team in the Olympic tournament. Uh, they already own a win over Team USA, so um, you would think that they've got as good a shot as anyone. Uh, then again, I felt like Australia had a really good shot at beating Team USA, and that lasted for about a quarter and a half, <laughs> and <laughs> Kevin Durant and Drew Holiday decided enough with that nonsense and, and put an end to that. So I do think France has a good has a good chance, but, you know, you still got to consider the Americans the favorites just for the fact that, you know, no one can compete with their overall skill level, and it seems like they've ironed out a lot of the issues that were kind of uh, plaguing them early on in the tournament. As for whether or not the Jazz were better, I, I think that, you know, I don't know that the overall talent level, that there's a big difference in it. I think what we need to see is did they kind of shift into the spots that they needed to address, you know? Um, are they a little more capable of playing the small ball lineups now with, with Rudy Gay in the fold, with Eric Pascal uh, coming into the fold? Are they, you know, a little more equipped to handle injuries in the backcourt, you know, to handle Mike Conley missing a bunch of games with uh, Jared Butler there, who's, who's a far better three-point shooter than Trent Forrest was? So I think these are the things that we need to see. We need to, we need to see how Quinn Snyder kind of works these guys into the system. And if these guys do what uh, Justin Zanuck brought them in to do, if they prove themselves capable of that, then yeah, I think the Jazz are better. Again, not because they're necessarily more talented, but because they're a little more versatile because they've filled some of those voids that the Clippers exploited last year. Eric, thank you very much for coming hey, I got on. One more. Oh, excuse me, Eric. Who's of all the jazz beat writers? Who is the uh, the most the most painful person to be have to associate with? <laughs> oh man! Did you, did you have someone specific in mind that you want me to throw under <laughs> well, the bus? It, well, we know the answer to the question if it was coworkers at the trip. <laughs> <laughs> but you went with beat writers, so what are you aiming at, Gordon? I don't know. I'm just kidding around. Uh, I think probably all you all you folks get along really well, don't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't need to. I don't, I don't need to throw anyone under the bus. I don't need to say that there's anyone who's who I have trouble getting along with. We'll just go ahead and say that I am everyone's favorite because I'm <laughs> such a great and humble human being. There you go. Good answer. Perfect. Uh, Eric, uh, thanks for coming on with us as always, buddy. We really appreciate it. And uh, happy Appetite for Destruction Day. Thank you so much for remembering, Jake. I knew I could count on you. You bet, buddy. Thanks for coming on. All right. Take care, guys. You guys have a little thing going there, don't you? Well, we both like Guns N' Roses. Uh, It was today in 1988 that Appetite for Destruction came out. Is that right? Yeah. Which is one of the best albums of all time, I think. Okay. 
better than Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band? By a ways. Better, what are some of the other albums that are considered the best? Well, I'm surprised uh, a Beatles fan like yourself hasn't mentioned Abbey Road. Doesn't that a lot of yeah. people bring up Abbey Road? Yeah. Uh, Revolver. The the Bob Dylan album that usually comes up is Blood on the Tracks or Blonde on Blonde, which are both excellent. How about uh, Paul Simon's Graceland? You've had that on the brain lately. Yeah. Right? Uh, I was reminded of it. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I watched by listening to it the other day. <laughs> Appetite, a pretty great album. All right. Stay tuned. We are live. We are in front of the team store. We're here for Summer League, the final night of Summer League. Come down to Vivint Arena. But more straight ahead on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, Band of the Day, brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. For the latest tour news and artist insight, go to LiveNation.com. Who is today's Band of the Day? I told Green Day. All right. I told Lloyd to pick it and that I haven't even been paying attention. It's Friday. Got one foot out the door. I'm not listening. Especially when Lloyd talks. <laughs> Just... Switch it off. Huh? It's just, just gone. Oh, Lloyd's yeah. talking. Uh, no, I'm, I'm thinking about something else. That's do you just, ever do that to, to your lovely bride? I try not to. It's a good idea not to. Uh, well, but, my, I, but my wife will call me out every once in a while. She said, did you hear what I just said? And because, because, Jake, you got to understand, I'm a, uh, I'm a concentration guy. When I focus on something, I am focused on it. And so every once in a while, I'll, I'm so used to tuning out voices. <laughs> Sometimes I do that to her. <laughs> I, I don't mean you. No, no, I, no, I don't mean you. You tune me out all the time, but that's fine. It's just you, you, you should admit it. You don't, don't dodge with some excuse <laughs> about, oh, I'm a concentration guy. That doesn't help anything. You know, here's, here's honestly... It never surprised me people's lack of fundamental understanding of PR and public relations. You know, your wife would be much more understanding if you just said, you know what? I was in the zone for a minute. I apologize. Could you please repeat yourself I, I as opposed to going, oh, I'm a concentration guy. I was actually super focused on what you were saying. And that's why. I no, I'm not, fo- not focused on what she was saying. I'm focused on something else. Don't spin it. Okay. I'm not spinning. I'm admitting that I'm not okay. listening. All right. Okay. But I've been working on that. Have you? All right. I'm waiting for Eric to play the drop where, you know, that was that was one of our uh, promos the other day. I don't even know what drop you're fishing for. Which one? The one when I repeat what you just said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you've done that to me, I've too. I, uh, yeah, I've done it. I admit it. So you're a concentration I've guy, been, too. I've been there. I'm a, you know, I'm just too much of a concentration guy. I'm too focused. I'm too focused on everything. And by the way, if we have a, well, if we have another listener that comes by our table here and says to me something about my Porsche, I'm going to punch you in the Except nose. Except for they all say Porsche. I only have is, one Porsche. Which is really funny, by the way. It's, it's incorrect. It is really it's incorrect, funny. but funny. It's pronounced Porsche. It's pronounced Porsche. But these things that you have hammered into our listeners' ears through all these years, much of which is absolutely incorrect. 
I only have one Porsche. In, in fact, it's the exact opposite of what I, who I am, and what I represent, and you know what See, I believe in. What you choose, LA. what you choose to get annoyed by, I think, does tell you a lot about who you are. Because <laughs> normal people would hear somebody say Porsche and just go about their day. You, but it's incorrect. You have, have to, you have to be like, excuse me, Dullard. <laughs> no. You're pronouncing it wrong. I, and, and I wouldn't say that to most people. Just to it's you. pronounced Porsche. <laughs> just to me. Yeah. If someone wants to call something a Porsche, uh, then they can go ahead and do that. But it's Porsche. That's, that's, that's how you say you're it. you're wrong. It's pronounced it's Porsche. It's pronounced Porsche. Okay, but wait. All right. If I started saying your name, Jake Scoot, would that bother you? It should, because it's not the way you pronounce your name. Is your name yeah, Porsche? Ferdinand Porsche. It was his name. His name was it's Porsche. It's Porsche. not your name, and it's pronounced Porsche. <laughs> Jake. Ferdinand Porsche. It's pronounced Por- Porsche. Porsche. Ferdy to his friends. <laughs> okay. Uh, but Gordon, I only got one. Gordon, uh, what do you think about this? Uh, this is coming from Timothy Luau. Cabarro, All right. who played for the uh, Brooklyn Nets last year, if memory serves. Um, he's on Team France. Yes. And he was commenting on the gold medal game versus the USA. He said this, quote, I think it will represent something pretty special because it's the first one we're going to win. Unquote. So, essentially, he is talking about the result of this game tonight uh, in the same way that I talk about destiny not being controlled. No, I think Although he, he did vacillate there, he did talk about it in the future. He said we're going to win. That's what he said. So we're but bring what, what the was goal. the sentence before that? Wow, you are really dialing into this. Uh, I think it will represent something. It will. Pre- okay, so that's something uh, pretty special. All right, because it's the first one we're going to. He's win. presuming that they're going to win. Yes. What did you think he was doing? No, I know. Um, yeah, we'll see about that. I think uh, I would expect Team USA to win this game. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, you never know. It could happen, and Rudy will have a decent amount of say-so. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, like a lot of these teams, France has NBA talent. You know, they've got players who are good and experienced. They're probably going to be more motivated. They play together more often. But does it erase the talent factor? The, you know, the, I wouldn't bet on it. I will say, okay, let me ask the question this way about that particular game. Who's more motivated? France, for sure. But Team USA doesn't want to embarrass itself. But what's the better motivation, the positive motivation of wanting to win <laughs> or the negative motivation of not uh, wanting to be embarrassed? I don't know. I mean, it's, it depends on who you are. I suppose it does. Yeah, I suppose it does, but I don't know. I would think the positive way would get you okay. to play harder, wouldn't it? So, so okay. Let me give you an example. If you were standing here doing the show and I were to say to you, if you do a good show, then I'll buy you a new pair of pants. If you, but if you do a bad show, then you're going to get pantsed and thereby embarrassed in front of everybody. Which one would motivate you? I got to go with the positive one because I am mentally weak, as you know. And so if you put any sort of pressure on me, I'm going to crumble. <laughs> I mean, it's the whole reason I can't putt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because, you know what? I'm just not mentally strong. Uh, all right. 
So if you if you I if you say, listen, if you have a bad show, you're going to get pantsed in front of everybody. I'm getting pantsed. It's it's going to happen. I'm going to fail because that's going to be in my brain. And then I'm going to be a mess. This is terrific self-awareness on your part, but I'm, I'm not I've sure. I've been th- failing for a I, long time. I, I, <laughs> I'm not sure it's true, but, but it, uh, it's interesting to hear your attitude about it. Honestly, if you're, if you're looking at it anecdotally in my life, I, my best baseball season of my life, you know, in high school or whatever, came when I had an uber, like, positive reinforcing coach whereas the year before i had a a yeller and a screamer and a negative Uh type of coach Uh i played much better and maybe i was a year older who knows right that's the anecdotal you never know but i felt like i responded much better to the positive reinforcement coach. well jake you've heard me say it a thousand times and you've said it as well that that i think you have uh in my opinion the most important word Everything else being equal, the most important word to as a key to success for high-level athletes is confidence. I've heard it out of their mouths over and over and over again. And when they're feeling good, this is why team, this is why players go into the zone because they're feeling it and they believe it's going to happen. If they're out there fiddle-faddling around, going, "Gee, I don't know if I should take this shot because it might not go in." They're screwed. Well, that's Ben Simmons. I mean, if you want to combine <laughs> conversations, that that's why that the, when he passed up an open layup in the playoffs, yeah. you know, that's that's that said it all. Right that's there. the issue. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. That that said it all. That absolutely does. On, on the coaching thing, real quick though, I've heard Hans, who played sports at a pretty high level last time I checked, he talks about how he responded more to the negative. To the negative. Oh. Like, I, I don't know. We'd have to ask him about it. I don't know if it was, the like, accountability he needed or something. But, like, that type of energy he was much more responsive to. So, interesting. You know, maybe it, it depends on, on who you are and how you respond. And, and the way Hans said it, or at least I, I hope I'm, uh, I'm passing this on correctly, is, is that it was, well, I don't know. I'll stop it. I'll let him speak for himself. But he's talked about it before, how he, he responded better to the the negative reinforcement so i suppose it it probably depends on the type of player or type of mentality that you have i guess mm. okay what you don't think hands should respond to that type of thing it just seems kind of odd to me why Be- because uh, i mean i don't think that's the way most people think I'm not. No, I'm not discounting it. Oh, I think there because are a lot. If, because if you think I'm going to be in big trouble if I don't get this done, yeah, that motivates some people. No, but I. I mean, I think it's similar to like a teacher or a class, right? Where where your favorite teachers were hard as hell, mm-hmm. but you come out the other side appreciating it and being better, right? Even though it was difficult, or maybe they were stern. My my one. I should say one of my favorite teachers in high school, just because I had a couple. But she was a. A stern old English teacher named Mrs. Stonehawker who did not suffer <laughs> shenanigans. Stonehawker? Stonehawker. What a perfect name. And she looked like Corella DeVille. She really did. <laughs> and she really, like, turned into the spin, too, you know, like, embraced the role. But she was an incredible teacher. Mm. I mean, I learned uh, a remarkable amount and would, would absolutely, uh, you know, uh, relive that class if I had the opportunity to do so. But it wasn't because she was a nice person and holding my hand. So I think it's probably similar in sports. I bet it's about 50-50. I 
honestly. Okay, well, I just looked up the three major motiva- driving motivators, and uh, one, one expert says it's the needs for achievement, affiliation, or power. But um, let me see. There's, there are three. Everyone is different. Because I've heard love is a great motivator, and I've heard fear is a great motivator. And uh, those are completely opposite of each other, aren't they? Yep. I've heard Urban Meyer talk about that, that he, when he went to Colorado State as an assistant under, uh, what's his name? Sonny Lubick. Sonny Lubick, that he had always been taught to kick butt. And he, he learned that back at Ohio State and other places, Notre Dame. And he, that's what he did. And I remember talking to Shelly about him, and she said he, he's insufferable. He can be so freaking mean in that regard. But when he went to Colorado State, Sonny Lubick was the exact opposite. I think Urban, one of Urban's major uh, influences was Earl Bruce, the old, old coach. And he was he was a kick butt guy. Yeah, and wasn't it uh, Earl Bruce's grandkid that got him in trouble at Ohio State? Yeah, I think it was. It was his grandson that was on his staff, right? But then he went goes to Colorado State and he sees that Sonny Lubick, who was a very well respected football coach, that he he did it a different way. He did it more. I think Lavelle Edwards could 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 go in, in both directions, but obviously the players knew that he cared about them, and I would put him more in that category. I bet but, he had a butt kicker or two on his staff. Yeah, though. yeah. It's, well, Roger French. Yeah. Uh huh. I mean, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. There's more than one way to motivate a young person, for I, sure. I remember a conversation I had with Roger once. Uh, we were playing in a golf foursome together, and I said to him, I, "I we were talking about a former BYU player who was actually a draft pick, and he was uh, he turned it down because he didn't want to play on Sunday." And when when I brought that up with him, I said, well, how about that? A player turning down all the, you know, million dollar, millions of dollars to, and to, he ended up doing something else that was much less lucrative because he didn't want to play on Sunday. And Roger looked at me and he said, I had a hard enough time getting them to play on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Although I could even hear Lavelle saying something like that. He had a wicked yeah. sense of humor. He was really funny. Yeah, it could be could be quite like on the nose too. Yes. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it hurts. Yeah. He was he you. was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. We'll have a market update uh, coming up next. Uh, and then our friend Norma Gonzalez is going to join us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5. 1280 The Zone, live out front of the team store, getting you ready for the final night of Summer League here at Vivint Arena. Gordon, it's time for a market update, brought to you by our friends at TryDayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TryDayTrading.com. How did the markets do today? It's a little mixed today, Jake. Uh, The Dow was up a healthy 144-plus points. Okay. NASDAQ was down 59 points. And the S&P, my friend, was up seven and a half points. Seems kind of radical differences today, huh? Yeah, yeah, it happens sometimes that way. 
but uh, all, all, uh, all things considered, uh, not too bad. All right, so there you go. Hopefully, uh, everybody out there is having a good Friday. There we go, wrapping up the uh, wrapping up the week financially. Quick story, uh, Gordon, just because I found this uh, extraordinarily amusing, and uh, we're going to get to our friend Norma Gonzalez talks in BYU football coming up on the other side as uh, they continue on with camp. But uh, I get a kick sometimes out of the sources reporting. Right? Sources, okay. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, sources say, and then you 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 break the news because. I think people would be surprised at oftentimes who or what those sources are. Uh huh. You know, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, so uh, Andre Iguodala is returning to go back to uh, Golden State, signing a one-year deal. He's probably going to wrap up his career there. So uh, John, uh, the New York Times, Jonathan Abrams, reported the story, and even it had a uh, a quote from Andre himself. So obviously, Andre. He talked with him. Gave Abrams a story and and gave him a quote and all this, and he broke it. Well, 25 minutes later, after the story was posted, Shams Sharania uh, threw out this uh, this tweet. Gordon said, source, Andre Iguodala, three-time Warriors champion and 2015 Finals MVP, agreed to sign a deal to return to Golden State. The Brooklyn Nets were also a finalist, to which Iguodala himself responded, Abrams at the Times was the source pro. <laughs> Jonathan Abrams was the source. <laughs> That's what Andre said. That's what Andre said because it came out 25 minutes later. Source. You mean you read Jonathan's report there? <laughs> Shams? That happens. That happens too often. Darren Williams did something similar to uh, uh, who's the Fox guy? Used to be ESPN. Uh, Chris Bessard. Wow. When Darren agreed to his re-up with the Brooklyn Nets after the Jazz traded him, right, and he had that big deal that he that he agreed to with them, uh, he tweeted it himself out. And then 10 minutes later or whatever it was, Broussard says, sources say Darren Williams. <laughs> and Darren Williams tweeted at him if memory serves, says, what, like your source, me? <laughs> well, maybe he figured since since he, he, uh, he did it that way that it was okay for him because – no other, maybe no other media group had reported it. Or did he just read it on Twitter and thought, <laughs> well, you no. know what, I'm going to tell everybody how super smart I am. Sources say I am plugged in. This idea that people feel so much pressure to be first, I, I know that, uh, well, that's, that's part of the history of journalism. I get that. But it's gotten to the point of being somewhat ridiculous. Well, it's, it's I mean, less important now than it ever was because but, everything gets aggregated so quickly. I mean, it, But it's important to the individuals who benefit from being first. But I guess they and don't. And establishing a reputation of being first. And then they're, they're richly rewarded for it as far as remuneration goes. So Certainly Woj and Shams are. Yeah. But I honestly think it's, it's way less important now than, it, than it's ever been. I've always been impressed by guys who say uh, this was first reported elsewhere or by someone else. Whatever. You know, I mean, give credit words, too. Yeah, Shams. Source. Hey, another member of the media. <laughs> source. <laughs> we the, all got the story sources. I gave to Jonathan Abrams in the New York Times. Yeah. Developing sources like that, and I don't know what's going on with Shams and Woj. I, 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 you know, I don't know who they're plugged in with, but they're plugged in with someone because they break most of the stories. And, uh, you know, that, that's good. I don't know exactly 
through through my years, I've known a lot of guys who find sources in the various beats they cover, and you know, they, they it takes time to develop these, but they there's a trust factor involved, and there might be other motivations as well. But um, I, I just I just don't care. I mean, I, I mean, in my position, I, I don't mind breaking a story if I if someone tells me something. And I've had sources tell me things before that that were either true or turned out not to be true. Uh, sources I trust because they generally do tell the truth. But every once in a while, something comes across where someone was motivated by something else, and it uh, it is somewhat twisted. But uh, these guys. Guys like Shams and Woj, they are all over that, and they are very well aware of who's breaking what when. I, uh, when I first got in into the business, and this person is not in this market, so you, you know people wouldn't know, but uh, I knew a guy that would go to a specific NBA rumors website and then jump on the air and say, my sources are telling me, and then just read what was on the website. I mean, I, I just... I don't know. When people throw out the source thing, and I'm not saying Shams is doing this, but when people throw out the source thing, a lot of times they just want to make themselves look important. One time I took, uh, I took information from a colleague of mine, and it turned out that he had taken his information from a message board. Right. And I got blamed for it. And I thought, I don't, I don't read that message board. I didn't get it from them. But I took it from another respected member of the media who took it from them. Sources. Yeah, I know. Every, I just, everyone, look, I, there is pressure out there for people to, to get it first. And that's, that's what a lot of folks do. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Norma Gonzalez. She covers uh, BYU for the Salt Lake Tribune. We are live out front of the Jazz Team Store. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.